Thanks for playing. Autumn, I feel really bad. You hung up with us the entire time. Couldn't come up with the right price. Hey, guys, I need you guys to give me your undivided attention. We're going to kind of switch gears a little bit. Speaking to us tonight, he's no stranger. Many of you guys know him very well. He's my right-hand man here at Element. One of my best friends, guy stood up at my wedding, guy I respect and look up to a ton. I need you guys to give a nice element welcome to Aaron Nitz. Give it up. What's up, everybody? I, wa I want to tell you guys a story. And uh, I think it's a pretty important story, so I need, you to, I need you to stop talking. I need you to give your attention this way before I get started. I want to tell you a story about this young guy. This young guy was about 16 when he made the decision to leave home. He said, uh, I don't really like my parents' house. I don't like where I'm at right now. I don't like school. And uh, he was from a pretty wealthy family. And so he knew his dad had a, a lot of money. And he said, I, I think I'm going to talk to my dad. And uh, I'm going to see if he's been saving money for my college, which he kind of knew he had been. And so he, he goes to his dad. His dad is a pretty wealthy, successful businessman, and he says, uh, Dad, I've been thinking, and I want to leave home. I know you saved and banked a bunch of money for me. How much is it? Because I'd like you to give it to me now, and I'm going to go. And he, he wasn't sure whether his dad would say yes or not, but, but, he, but he amazingly did. And, and then he was very surprised by the answer. He says, actually, I've, I've done my homework. Ever since you were a little kid, I've been planning, I've been investing, and uh, I wanted to send you to a great private university. I got $120,000 saved up for your college. And inside, the kid is like, yes. He says, sweet, this is going to get me pretty far. In his head, he's starting to make his plans already. He's like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm going to move somewhere far. I could like end up in California, go to Florida. Last week, spring break there, it's pretty sweet. And so, in fact, he says, Dad, I want to go out on my own. I want you to give me, give me my money for college. And his dad says, son, I'll trust you. Gives him the 120000 Kid hops in the car, drives to Florida. Uh, I mean, a within a couple days of being into town, he finds an apartment. And with all of his money, he finds a lot of friends. Because you guys know that when you got money, people come around. So he finds somebody to hook him up with a fake ID. He doesn't even bother getting a job. I mean, he's got 120 Gs. What's he need a job for? So, with the new fake ID, beer's no problem. He looks a little older than he is. Casino's no problem. He's living the life. Doing whatever he wants to do. No job. Got a sweet apartment down by the beach. Able to hang out with, you know, the babes down at the beach. He's got his car. He's driving on time. He's, man, he's living it. A couple months go by. Still, still living it. Never bothers to call home. Life's busy, man. He didn't call home, he doesn't email, he doesn't send a letter, nothing. Just a little less than a year goes by, and uh, he sets his eyes on a motorcycle. He's like, well, I'm in Florida. And back in, you know, where I was, you could only drive a motorcycle a couple months. I need to get a bike. So he goes to the bank to get the money for the bike, and he realizes, whew, I almost blew through a whole $120,000 in less than a year. I'm going to have to come up with a plan. So he says, all right, I'm going to get a job. And then he realizes... I didn't even finish high school, let alone go to college. So everywhere he goes to get a job, is nothing, man, nothing. So he's in Florida. He knew 
a couple miles up the street, there's a couple uh, orange fields and orchards. He goes to one of the guys that work there, and he says, hey, can you, can you give me a job, like, in the office? Like, uh, maybe I could help you, like, sell your product and bring it to people. He's like, well, <laughs> dude, you're, how old are you? You, you didn't even finish high school. Uh, you can pick oranges for me. He's like, fine. I mean, I got to make rent in my apartment. I want to buy this bike. Uh, so he starts picking oranges. He, he basically is that guy who walks out in the field. He's got a basket hanging around his neck. He grabs oranges. He brings it into the factory where they dump them all on the big machine, and they squeeze it down for that good Florida orange juice. Well, on his first, uh, first paycheck, it's like $200 for the whole week, and he's thinking, this is bad. So even though he works there for a week or two, pretty soon he loses his apartment. He starts sleeping, like, in the park. Stuff like that. He's, I mean, the dude's out of money. In fact, he can't even buy food for himself. One day he's at work and he's dumping the oranges in there and it kind of like shuffles all the orange peels out the side. And he's looking at those orange peels and he can't believe it, but he's actually thinking, there's actually like a bunch of juice left in those peels. I can't, but that's nasty, but I'm starving. He actually is wanting to pick the orange peels up off the ground and eat out of them. He, he starts thinking, maybe I should just go home. He's like, no, there, I can't go back now. I took all that money. There's no money for college. Plus, I didn't even finish. My parents are going to hate me. So it goes on for a couple more weeks, and he finally comes to his senses. And he says, I got to go. I got to go home. He's got 20 bucks in his pocket. It's to hitchhike. He can't even, you know, can't even get a Greyhound bus ticket. He hitchhikes all the way home. And while he's in the car with all these strangers and he's thinking, man, that was the stupidest thing I've ever done. I mean, it was kind of fun while it lasted, but that was messed up. So he starts planning his speech to his dad about how he's going to say that he's sorry and how he wants to come home. And he's like, it's not going to work. I haven't talked to them in 11 months. I'm sure they hate me. And so, in fact, he changes his mind. When he gets to be about 50 miles away from home, his hometown, he says, all right, I'm not even going to go home. What I'm going to do is I'm going to go straight to my dad's business. And I know my dad is a su successful businessman. He's going to respect this because I'm going to say, Dad, you don't even have to welcome me home. I'll find some old friend to live with or something, but can I have a job at your work? He's thinking, maybe this, maybe this will earn me the respect and the love from my dad that I think I've completely blown. And so he, his ride drops him off on the side of the highway about two miles from his dad's work. And man, that was a long two-mile walk. He's, he's just got shame. He's got guilt. He's got fear that his dad's just going to blow him off, call him a loser, talk about how much he's hurt them, how much they're just ready to disown him, man. They're done with this kid. So when he goes to walk in the front doors of the place, he's nervous. He no farther gets the door more than halfway open than his dad sees him from across the office lobby. His dad's got all these files and stuff with him. And the second his dad sees him, his dad drops everything, runs across the front office, grabs his son, Literally puts him in a bear hug and picks him up. And, and as the son gets ready to start the dad, I'm, I, I need to, and he starts to get ready to give him a speech. The one that he's prepared for the last 300 miles from the drive from Florida. But his dad doesn't let him get two words out. He doesn't even get the, dad, I screwed up. Dad, I know I hurt you. I know I, I hurt my family. Dad, I know you, you, 
you've hoped for the best for me. You've prayed for the best for me. But he can't even get it out. His dad had waited and prayed for a year to hear from him. When he dropped his stuff and ran across the office, the son tried to speak, but all the dad could yell is, my son, my son is home. We thought you were dead. We didn't hear from you for 11 months in your home. We thought we had lost you. Hey, everybody, this is my son, the one I've been telling you about. Uh, we found him. It's a big deal. The son was now feeling like, I don't deserve this. I've screwed my whole family over. I don't know what. I don't deserve this. But his dad says, no, 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 no. We thought you were dead and you were alive. You were lost and now you're found. Get, I'm going to get your mom on the phone. We're going to call the whole family. You could call your friend. We're throwing a party tonight. Now, some of you have put yourself in this picture throughout the story, and you're, you're trying to think of how your parents would react to something like this, and it might not seem to make sense. Well, actually, there's a version of this story in the Bible. It's actually a pretty, pretty famous story that Jesus told about a young guy who took off from home. You know, in fact, in a way, we all kind of live out this story in our own way. Now, I don't mean that you've left home and driven to another state or anything like that, but we all have our own plans. We all want it my way. We want it my way right away. But when Jesus tells this story to the people that are in that story in the Bible, he's actually trying to not tell them about like a kid and his dad. He's trying to talk about people and their God. You know, we do this, though. We, we run away from God. We screw up. We, we do messed up stuff. And then at one point, we think about going back to God. Just like that kid in the story. Is, I mean, it, he's looking at those orange peels, and he's like, this is ridiculous. Where have I gotten myself? But he didn't go home right away. He's thinking about it. Like, man, they're not going to want me. I've been disloyal. I haven't even called them. I don't talk to them. Our guilt, our shame, our fears, they keep us from coming back to God. I bet that guy wished he could go back. I mean, when he's there standing at those orange peels, he didn't go right away. He began to believe a major lie that many of you have bought into. And you've bought into it because people tell us this. People tell us that teenagers are messed up. People don't have high expectations for you just because of how old you are. They're happy if you can make it to 18. Just don't do drugs and don't get pregnant or make somebody pregnant and, and you're considered a success. But we know that you are called to so much more. When we begin to buy into that lie, we believe that we can't be good enough for God. That he won't have anything to do with us because we're not good enough. And in a way, that's kind of true. As hard as we try, we're never going to be perfect. But you know, that, that boy in the story, when he came back and he had his plan for what he was going to tell his dad, his dad didn't wait for him to tell how he was going to earn his way back, what he was going to do to earn his dad's love. He didn't have a big old list of what he needed to do. And just like that dad ran across that room to his son, 
This is what God does for us. But he did something even a lot bigger than that. The Bible says it this way in the book of Romans. You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Jesus died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still messed up, Christ died for us. You know, over the next week, week and a half, Christians around the entire world will celebrate Easter. I heard, you, uh, I heard Pastor Matt give an announcement about inviting you to come back for Easter. Uh, actually, in this very room, our church is so big that we can't fit all the people in our church. So on Easter, we're actually holding a big Easter service right here. If you don't go to another church and your family doesn't have anywhere to go, uh, Pastor Matt and I are going to be here. There's already like 400 people have already kind of like signed up to come here instead of go to our church. We invite you to come back here. We would love to see you. Maybe your parents always wonder, what's up with that Element Church? And we'd love them to come too. The chairs will be set up just like this. It's a room that's familiar to you. Come on out. But on Easter, you know, sometimes we think, oh, it's like some people go to church on Christmas and Easter. But if you don't know the story of Easter, when Christians celebrate Easter, they celebrate the fact that just like that dad that came towards his son, this is how God came towards us. He gave up his own son to die for us, but he didn't stay dead. After three days on Easter morning, that's when Jesus rose again. He came back to life. And he also promised us eternal life if we believe in him and we follow him. You know, I hear a lot of people say, all the religions of the world are the same. But they're not. Christianity is different from any world religion. Two major reasons. Number one, as a religious leader of Christianity, Jesus is the only person ever to have raised himself from the dead. That's the kind of person I want to follow. Somebody can do that. There's nothing more powerful than that. Second, Jesus said, I am the way to God. Not I'm going to tell you a little bit about him or I've seen him, but I am the way to God. Jesus not only beat death, but he is God himself. All this month at Elm, we've been playing games and speaking about worth and value. You know, people are guessing the prices of things tonight. To God, nothing holds more worth or value than his own sons and daughters. You. And maybe you've heard that before, that you know, you're a child of God, but that's the son in the story. You're sons and daughters of the living God. I have a feeling around this room there's people who, kind of like that guy in the story, they were letting some things keep them away from God. And maybe you've done some things in your life that you're not proud of. Maybe some things have happened to you where you don't feel more. Maybe some things have happened that you hold on to some some unforgiveness, some bitterness that are just eating you up. In these last couple of minutes, I want to really encourage you guys to stick with me. Even if maybe you're not connecting with what I'm saying right now, the people next to you might be, and they deserve your respect to make sure that you're not talking to them or turned around. So stay with me for two more minutes. Earlier I talked about this, this guy, Jesus, who gave his life for us. 
who welcomed us back to God. And the lie that I talked about that we're not good enough, well, actually there's a little bit of truth to that. On our own, we're not good enough. But if we trust in God, if we believe in his son Jesus, we can be made right. And we can begin to build a relationship with God. If some of this is connecting with you tonight and you've kind of had some of those feelings, you've been the one who, well, yeah, that sounds great to know God and to, to believe in all this stuff, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know who I am. Well, I don't, but God does. And he loves you anyway. pretty easy to accept a gift. And tonight I'm going to pray in closing. And Before I start though, I, I just think a lot of times it's real tempting when you listen to somebody else pray to just kind of like, you know, there's all kinds of traditions when people pray, they fold their hands or they bow their head. I'm not even going to make you do any of that tonight because it's not about what your hands look like or what your face looks like. When you pray about what your heart's like. If some of the words that I pray are words that kind of stick to you, or some of my story tonight is stuck to you, it's not because I'm a good speaker or I know you, because God knows you. He loves you, no matter what you've done. So as I pray, if any of these words are holding on to you, pray them in your own head. After I'm, done, after I'm done praying, you guys know that often there's a chance if you need to talk to somebody about something you heard tonight, or there's just something going on inside of you that you just need to tell someone. There's always a group of adults and students that are over here on your right out those doors, Pastor Matt, some other people who care about you. They want to listen to you. They want to pray for you. Let's pray. God, like the kid in that story, we, uh, we sometimes go our own way. We make dumb decisions. We hurt ourselves. We hurt other people. We hurt you. But God, we don't want to go that way anymore. We want to come back to you. And God, even though I feel sometimes like I'm not worthy, I know that because you sent Jesus to die for me, that I can know you. And that was how you showed that you loved me. So God, I pray over anyone in this room tonight that has felt separated from God, that tonight that they would find you, that they would trust in your son Jesus, that they would take him up in his offer to, to follow him and receive a gift of eternal life. And God, I pray that when they finish speaking to you tonight in their heads, God, as they're thinking about who you are and what you want with them, God, I pray that they would tell someone whether it be somebody right here at Element or somebody at their home, God, just what you're trying to teach them and what you're trying to show them. God, I pray that they would agree to follow you and that they would accept your son Jesus as their Savior. Father, I pray that as we get close to this time of Easter, it's kind of a, just a time on a calendar, but it's a special day when we remember how you died for us and then how you rose again. 
God, it's not about what we can do. It's about what you've already done. God, we love you. We thank you that all these things that you've done for us. Amen.